hospitals are seeing an unprecedented surge in a respiratory illness among children. This is really frightening. RSV is a common cold virus that can be associated with severe disease in young children and older adults. And the CDC says it's already hitting peak levels in some areas. Welcome to the fifth season of the Merck Manual's Medical Myths podcast. On this show, we set the record straight on today's most talked about medical topics and questions. I'm your host, Joe McIntyre, and on this episode, we welcome Dr. Brenda Tassini of the University of Rochester Medical Center. Dr. Tassini's clinical interests include all aspects of infectious diseases in children with a particular focus on prevention and treatment. Today, we will diagnose the myths and misconceptions surrounding RSV. Dr. Tassini, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Great. First, can you tell our listeners what RSV stands for and why we're hearing so much about it right now? It stands for respiratory syncytial virus. Um, so you understand why we call it vitinitials, <laughs> <laughs> RSV, even uh, those of us in the medical field. Um, and that the name relates to how it, um, how it looks and behaves in the lab. Um, but we're hearing a lot about it now um, in the context of having RSV in our in our communities. At the same time, we also have influenza that causes flu and the virus that causes COVID. And so seeing all of those at the same time, understandably, uh, caused a, a lot of interest to know what's going on and um, how that that impacts our children and our healthcare systems. What are some of the symptoms of RSV and how exactly does it spread? Yes, so RSV in most of us would cause one of our common colds and we probably wouldn't be able to really pull it out from any of our other colds. And everyone gets RSV, everyone. <laughs> Pretty much everyone gets it um, in their first couple years of life and we will continue to get it throughout life. Um, where it really gets pulled out as, as maybe causing something a little more unique or a little more concerning is um, most notably in young infants. So in their first year of life, particularly babies um, that are less than six months of age, it can cause an infection that gets deeper into their low little airways that go right to the lungs. And some people may have heard the term called bronchiolitis. And that is almost like pneumonia. It's infection and inflammation and irritation of those little airways. And so that's what RSV is probably most known for, is causing that in young infants, usually less than two years of age. And in, in those babies, it can cause um, wheezing and can cause really fast breathing, hard time breathing, and look much more like a pneumonia. Um, than just a cold. Is it like a traditional cold where we typically get them in the colder months or is RSV kind of happening and uh, children, you know, infants are susceptible to it all throughout the year? Yeah, it, before COVID, we um, used to have what we call RSV season <laughs> that your pediatricians or other um, child healthcare providers would know like, oh, it is RSV season, it is RSV time. And so in most of the US, that would be in the fall and the winter. Um, usually what happened like a little bit before we think of flu season, 
But all of the changes we did to prevent the spread of COVID was actually very effective at preventing the spread of RSV during that time. And it's kind of turned these seasons around for us. Um, and so I think that's also a lot of what we're hearing now about RSV is that it's popping up in the summer in times that we wouldn't have thought that people need to worry about. Um, so it probably will end up going back to that seasonality again, but it's it's really turned around a little bit these last couple of years. Yeah, I think, I mean, you mentioned that it's not a new virus, um, but is it because we have, we're so effective at curtailing a lot of viruses during uh, COVID prevention that now that it's kind of increased, uh, there's so much more conversation around it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of conversation about like, huh, you know, we've known about this virus since the 1950s and it had kind of always behaved the same way mm -hmm. <laughs> every year. And so this is so different for us. And it really is quite common in pediatrics. You know, in, in an RSV, typical RSV season, it could be the main reason kids are in the hospital. Um, so it's it's something we all really know about who care for children and, and worry about. Um, and so seeing it behave differently has us all alarmed. And we're seeing a lot more of it um, this past year. And so people have probably been reading about that, hearing about that. And um, that could be because a lot of kids didn't get it <laughs> during those couple years of COVID. And so now they're a little bit older. So we're seeing it in slightly older kids um, coming in for care who normally it would be a cold for them and they'd stay at home and we'd never hear about it. Um, but now we're having the babies get it who would typically get it every year and need to come for care, some of them, and um, some older kids too. And so that's increasing the number of cases we're seeing and um, how it's impacting our pediatricians offices, our emergency rooms, and our hospitals. Let's say we have a sick child at home and we're trying to determine whether they have RSV, COVID-19, or something else. Um, are the symptoms of RSV and COVID similar or how different are they? Is there a way to kind of tell whether your child likely has RSV or is um, maybe infected with COVID-19? Yeah, there's a lot of overlap. So um, even before we get into the symptoms, uh, if you if they've been around someone who recently got diagnosed with COVID or flu or RSV or someone in the house, you know, has had it and got tested or you know what's going around at their daycare or classroom, um, that's, a, that's a big clue that we often use already um, is that is knowing if they were in contact with someone who had one of those infections. Um, for older kids and adults, um, it could be hard to tease out because all of these viruses can cause a, a cold kind of illness um, in older kids and adults, you know, adults with healthy immune systems. Um, RSV would be really unlikely to cause the fever flu-like, I feel really sick, that a lot of people do get with COVID and flu. Um, so I, I would say for most adults and kids, RSV would be um, more mild or, or less likely to have that really severe presentation. And then in the young babies, um, RSV is probably more likely to have that wheezing picture, um, that really fast breathing, tugging to breathe. Um, but again, that's only a minority of babies who have that. But it would be if you're seeing that more severe picture that more, more likely is RSV. 
Um, and then in, in older adults, I, I think all, all three of these RSV, COVID, the, the virus that causes COVID and flu um, could, could show up the same way um, as a cold or, or certainly as um, more concerning like a pneumonia kind of picture. Let's talk about some of the myths and misconceptions about RSV a little bit. You mentioned that it's primarily fairly dangerous uh, or severe for those uh, babies who are six months and under. Is that only the types of people who are uh, super susceptible to RSV and um, having severe cases of it, or does it ex expand beyond that? Uh, no, it does expand beyond that. So um, we really think about the extremes of age so, you know, as we've talked a lot about and, and people are probably more familiar with are those young babies in the first six months and certainly babies who were born prematurely or babies who were born with certain heart or lung conditions, even up through the first two years of life, they're, um, they're at high risk of having that more severe form of RSV. But another group that um, we're just starting to um, really educate people about and understand more are older adults. So the the other um, extreme of age, and, and it's not even that extreme, you know, even a, a adults over 65, and certainly also those who have underlying heart conditions or um, lung disease or respiratory conditions. Um, it's the majority of deaths from RSV are actually in, in that population and not the babies. Yeah. Um, and it can be um, certainly just as severe as a case of the flu um, for people in, in those groups. For, I guess, any group, um, is RSV something where, similar to the common cold, you should just let it run its course? Or uh, when should they go and see their primary care or for an infant, when should they go see um, you know, their, their doctor uh, for their child? Yeah, so again, for, you know, most otherwise healthy um, kids and adults, yeah, do the things you do for your for your common cold. Um, and for, um, you know, for anyone, but but particularly for um, the young babies or the, the older adults, so people that we think of as being high risk um, for getting a severe form of it, um, you really want to pay close attention to how they're breathing. Um, so are they getting, you know, for adults, are they getting winded really easily? Are they having a hard time, um, you know, moving around and still taking care of themselves? And um, for the infants, um, parents can watch for fast breathing. You know, you get to know your baby pretty well <laughs> and what's, what's normal and not to see. Um, so fast breathing, pulling of their chest you know, their chest moving differently and seeing the ribs move differently, their nose flaring open or making noises as they're breathing. Um, certainly if there's blue or purplish um, discoloration in or around their mouth. Um, and also if they're just having a hard time, they just seems so tired that they're not interested in drinking as much and you're worried that they could be dehydrated. Those are all reasons that um, you'd wanna call your doctor, at least talk it through with them uh, or take them in to be seen. Okay. Are there any risks of long-term effects uh, of contracting RSV for either uh, young babies or older adults uh, that can have lasting effects once that virus is out of your body? Yeah, we don't really um, think about it as causing, you know, particular damage that's ongoing. 
Um, there are studies that show an association with babies who had really severe RSV also tend to be more likely to be kids who have asthma or, or other breathing problems, but um, we don't know if that's a you know chicken or the egg, it's just an association. And, and again, everyone gets RSV. Um, so there's nothing in, in particular to watch out for, um, but I think the, the biggest concern would be for people who already have um, lung disease, heart disease, um, and breathing problems, it can definitely be associated with exacerbations or trigger, um, you know, worsening of asthma or um, chronic lung disease in, in older adults. And so it can be harder to, to bounce back from that infection. Um, but that can be true for um, all of the respiratory viruses. Is there a vaccine uh, that someone could take to protect themselves against RSV? Research is underway um, for both um, vaccines and, and treatments um, to, to both prevent and treat RSV and really focusing on those populations, older adults, and how to protect um, young babies through that first year or two of life. And what are some of the best tips to prevent uh, an RSV infection, if there are any? Yeah, the, the best thing is to um, to try and avoid getting it in the first place, right? <laughs> um, and so RSV, you know, all respiratory viruses are spread through some version of getting contact with the virus that someone has coughed or breathed out or um, with the case of, of RSV in babies kind of smeared on you <laughs> with their gooey, <laughs> gooey noses and wet kisses. Um, so with RSV, again, that is, that is a really common way that it gets spread around um, households and daycares um, and schools is that, you know, it's just in these gunky runny noses that seem to never stop running <laughs> um, and just, you know, directly touching that and um, not washing your hands before then touching your own eyes, nose, or mouth um, is a really common way to spread it. So to prevent it is um, really uh, practicing what we call good hand hygiene. So washing your hands with the hand sanitizer or soap and water before touching before touching your, your own face um, and as often as possible. And, you know, a lot of parents who have babies that are in that, that high-risk category um, or older adults who are also at high risk, you know, try and avoid um, crowded places if you can um, when you know that RSV is going around in your community. And, uh, you know, a big kind of um, public health message is, is for, for people to stay home when they're sick and to avoid going to those places where they know um, these, these at-risk young babies or older adults would be. Um, and, you know, the, the classic, you know, covering your cough, but for RSV, really, really good hand hygiene and, and avoid that kind of um, up close contact um, with anyone who might be sick. Do you think this is maybe separate from RSV, but do you think people are more likely to stay home when they're sick now as opposed to three years ago? Uh, is there, do you, have you seen people more likely to say, hey, I'm feeling a little under the weather. Let, let me stay home for a little bit, um, as opposed to you know what you saw back in 2020 and before. I re I really think so. You know, I see that working in a hospital. You know, a lot of people 
um, don't want, you know, this, this, they certainly don't want to um, place anyone they work with at risk, but also have this sense of like, oh, it's just a cold and I'm needed here. And I, I see that changing a lot um, in our in our culture overall. And I think what's really important is for like social gatherings too, of like, you know, guys, I'm, I'm not feeling so well, I probably shouldn't um, get together. Like, I, you know, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that's safe. Um, and then people wearing masks too, you know, in these, that kind of in-between situation and, and just being more aware. Um, I have seen a big change and I'm hoping that will stay. Yep. Switching years back to RSV quickly. Um, can you give our listeners some strategies to, to treat RSV, uh, assuming they don't need uh, serious medical care, such as going to the hospital or um, or anything like that. Are there any strategies to treat it for adults or babies? One of the biggest things you can do is make sure that you stay hydrated. Um, that's really going to make um, everything worse and is a common reason for people to need to come in and seek care um, is, is for getting dehydrated. So it's, you know, keeping up with your liquids and um, using the you know medications that you would use for for other colds or or flu-like illnesses to just keep yourself comfortable um, during the during the illness. Um, and it for for most people it'll be less than a week. You know, generally around five days or so um, that you'd expect to feel sick from it. Finally, Dr. Tassini, where should our listeners go to learn more about the symptoms, diagnosis, prevention, treatment, anything else related to RSV? Where would you send them? Yeah, well, we have great patient and family-centered uh, resources at the Merck Manuals online. The American Academy of Pediatrics um, also has um, high-quality resources for patients and families, and that's through um, healthychildren, healthychildren.org. Wonderful. Well, Dr. Tassini, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Certainly, it was a great conversation, busting some of the myths uh, around RSV. Uh, as we close out, I'll let you leave our listeners with our final word, as we always do. Medical knowledge is power. Pass it on. Thank you so much. <laughs>